Blog Talk Radio. Everybody, it's your girl Side Brown, and welcome to Side Brown on Demand. Thank you so much for joining me today and listening to our personalized audio series designed just to help you get ahead in life, and business, and career, and getting along with your family. This recording is being done right around Thanksgiving time, and we know <laughs> how it can be with family and friends that we haven't seen in a while. So uh, I will be doing a lot of lessons this week about how to manage relationships and how to be able to successfully maneuver tough situations and dealing with, with family that may be a little bit difficult. I believe if you look in the archives, um, if you look in the archives, I just sent out a tweet today to listen to all of our shows since um, since I started in 2008, and I know there's a couple in there about dealing with difficult people. I may have to go into the archives and post those on my website. For those of you who are into social media and on the Internet, I welcome you. Um, I welcome the opportunity to connect with you through Facebook. Our, my Facebook page is uh, facebook.com forward slash Brown today. So you can connect with me on Facebook. And, of course, you can connect with me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Cy Brown, which is that little, I think it's called an ampersand, right? Somebody in the chat room helped me out on that one. The little at sign, and then it says Cy Brown. And I just want to give a big super uh, hug to Kirby Queen and LaVon. They are in the chat room. So for those of you who are listening live, Chat up. Let's let's chat up and let's let's really enjoy today's lesson. Today's lesson is entitled "What Happens After the Altar." So it's going to be a good good time. Before we get started, I just want to give a quick shout out to everyone at St. Peter's Sound of, Sound of Praise in Patterson, New Jersey. I had an amazing time for the pastor um, Alan Simmons' second anniversary celebration last night. And I have these great purple Michael Kors shoes, suede, three-inch heels. I was rocking them. I put on Facebook last night, I had to peel those shoes off my feet because we just had a Holy Ghost stomping good time yesterday. But I will tell you, I will have to bring a pair of flats and leave them underneath the pew. You know how uh, Oprah tucks gifts underneath the seat? I have to tuck my flats underneath the seat so that way I can sneak out, put my little finger up and pull my flats out from up under the pew so I'm not peeling, peeling, peeling my shoes off. But we had a great time last night. So I just want to say big shout-out to everybody at St. Peter's Sounds of Praise in Patterson, New Jersey. So hoo-hoo to everybody there. Uh, but let's get into today's lesson, which is what happens after the altar. And when I was thinking of this 
lesson, you know, I, I share with all of you, I walk around with a clipboard. So many times I'm in the grocery store and people will walk up to me and ask me for things, and I'm like, I don't work here. <laughs> I walk around with a clipboard because I believe God gives us inspiration and insight into how to live a better life all through the day, not just at these specific and precise moments. And so for me, I walk around with a clipboard so I can write down my thoughts and my ideas just in my daily travels. And it works very well for me. And so as I was um, walking one day, I, the thought came, you know, God gave me a, 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 a word, and the word was alter. And I thought it was dealing with, you know, changing something. And it came to me, what happens after the altar? And in the spirit of that, a change does take place. So I don't know if, we're, if we have anybody who's into etymology and the root words of things, but, you know, in altar, it means to change. So when we're at that altar and we're at that moment of change, that point of decision in our life, and we're filled and we're crying and we're snotting and we're, we're giving our life to the Lord, even if it's not in a church, even if it's in a quiet moment in your home, because you can pray to the Lord and cry out to the Lord and say, God, I want to change, and that's your altar moment. But what happens after that? What happens after that moment? What happens when trials come, problems come, depression comes, um, sadness comes, joy comes, happiness comes, life comes? What happens after the altar? And so I started writing down my thoughts and scriptures. So, so in today's lesson, I want to share my thoughts and my take on what really happens after the altar. And I know when I rededicated my life to the Lord um, some years ago, I felt like I got duped. <laughs> I'm being honest here. I felt like I got duped. Because I went to the altar, rededicated my life to the Lord. Uh, the people in the church who were absolutely amazing took me into this quiet room. They, they got my information, my name. You know, I joined the church, and I went to new members class, and that was it. And I sat one day. My friends asked me if I wanted to go out drinking, and I sat one day like, do I go? They're my friends. Do I not go? How do I handle this situation? And I really felt I wasn't prepared or as prepared as I should be to handle life after the altar. So it's in that spirit that I share with you scriptures that helped me get through those tough moments when I didn't know what to do after the altar. So for those of you that have your Bible, and I strongly encourage you when you tune into this show and you listen to any of my lessons, especially in the space of spirit, please have your Bible with me. So for those of you that have your Bible, please turn with me to the book of Romans, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and then the book of Romans. So for those of you who don't, or for those of you who are listening to this on demand, uh, hit pause, go grab your Bible, go grab a pen, and turn with me, if you will, please, to the book of Romans. And in, in the spirit of, of, of Romans, we're talking about the first step of what happens after the altar. You've got to have faith. Faith is the hallmark of everything that we do after the altar. If you don't believe that God has something better for you or that you made the right decision, you're going to be dead in the water. 
Turn with me to the book of Romans, chapter 14, and I'm going to start reading from verse, I'll start uh, at verse 22. The whole spirit, and I strongly encourage you to continue reading these scriptures long after you stop listening to the show, but we're talking about the weak and the strong here. And again, we're in the book of Romans, chapter 14. I'm going to start reading from verse 22. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the man who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But the man who has doubts is condemned if he eats, because he, his eating is not from faith, and everything that does not come from faith is sin. Basically, when you get to that point, when you have your altar moment, faith is the hallmark of everything. So right here we're finding in verse 22, and everything that does not come from faith is sin. It's about deliverance, and we're turning away from that which was to that what now is, which is all good and it's all God. But we have to have faith to do it. And once you start believing and knowing that you made the right decision, it's really about how do we move on from here, having the courage to move on from where we were to where we are now to where we want to be. Turn with me, if you can, in your Bible to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah is in the Old Testament, so let's flip back. Let's go to the left a couple of pages, and we're turning to the book of Jeremiah. In the book of Jeremiah, we will find that as we move forward, we need to be happy and confident that we know that God knows who we are, where we are in life, where we want to go in life, and know that we made the right decision. Right here, God tells us in the book of Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I'm reading from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 1, verse 4. We learn right there in all these books, God is saying, look, I got you. I knew who you are. I know who you are. I knew where you were going to be at this exact moment in time, and I got you. So when we have our altar moment and we start believing in faith that I made the right decision and we start moving on and we start navigating through life, we need to know in no uncertain terms God knows who we are. He knows our heart's desires. He knows where we want to go. He wants us to be happy. We need to be happy in the Lord. I share with you, I was so miserable. When I first rededicated my life to the Lord, I was miserable because I felt like I can't do this, 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 I can't do this. And I think there was just a little hiccup that when I wanted to be delivered, no one told me what I was able to do. I just was told you can't drink, you can't do this. And I'm saying, well, wait a minute. I thought this was supposed to be a better life. Can somebody hook the sister up and tell me what I'm supposed to be doing here? And I didn't realize that there is so much joy and pleasure in the Lord when you get into your quiet place. When you get into that quiet place, it, you're able to be strengthened so you can carry your Jesus with you everywhere you go. And it's in that space you're able to move on and start to successfully navigate life in your new place after the altar. Turn with me, if you can, in your Bible to the book of Job. Job is in the 
Old Testament. And let me share this with you. When you start moving and grooving and jamming with the Lord, I, I shared with you at the, at the top of the show, I had a, a great time in church yesterday. And some people would say, oh, it doesn't take all of that to praise. That's the good time that I enjoy having now. I, I'm here to tell all of you that when you have your altar moment, do not feel duped. Do not keep looking back. That's why it's behind you. I kept looking back and seeing what I thought I needed in my life to make me happy, to make me fulfilled, and I'm trying to trust God and trust, believe I made the right decision, but I just could not get over this little piece that I was missing something, not looking into the fullness that the Lord provides. If you are, please, I hope everybody has had an opportunity to turn to the book of Job. We're going up and through chapter 11. So turn with me to the book of Job, chapter 11. I'm turning with you. So if you hear uh, pages uh, turning, uh, that's me turning too. (laughs) That's me turning my Bible too. So the book of Job is is amazing. Again, it's in the Old Testament, and I strongly encourage after this lesson um, and long after you hear the, the the tone in my voice now that you go back and research yourself. Job was one of the most faithful people to God. Didn't waver, didn't bend, didn't flinch, like, nope, I got this. Nope, I know what I'm doing. Nope. And his wife is, tell, you know, talking slick in his ear, and everybody's coming at him. He's like, no, nah, I'm good. The God I serve got me. But then what happens is we find in the book of Job that Job gets tested. And I'm here to tell you, in living color and live as live can be, you will be tested. And that's another part that kind of got forgot that they forgot to tell me. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, I'm saved. My life is good now. No tests, no trials. God got me. Uh-uh. Eh, wrong answer. You will be tested, and actually, you'll be tested even more now that you have decided to make a conscious decision to rock with God's team, because. People want to see you fall. Remember, we talked about we've talked about that in countless lessons with Daniel when he was praying, and they uh, made the king sign an edict that said, you know what, if you pray to anybody but you, you're going to be, you know, cast away. It's going to happen. You are going to get tested all up and through. I just have to add a very quick sidebar uh, that it was just put in the chat room by my dear friend Kirby Queen that says those tests and trials are no joke. You will be tested. And I can't say that in any clear. Once you have your altar moment and you start letting people know, and you don't even have to verbalize that I've changed, I'm fire baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, I'm moving on, thank you, Jesus, thank you, hallelujah. No, because you start to walk differently, you'll start to conduct yourself differently, your clothes will become more modest, you'll stop cursing or whatever it is, whatever needed to be changed in you. I can't dictate that. You know because you'll feel convicted. And people will notice that. And they're like, man, who do you think you are? Oh, she she thinks she's split. Oh, he, he ain't really for the Lord. Let me tell my sister to go talk to him. Don't tempt. The Bible also tells us don't tempt. That's not for us to do. There's enough temptation in the world to knock us off our track. Don't even do it. Don't even waste your time. Listen to him. But let's get back to Job. Okay, let me just set the premise very, very quickly for those of you who may not be totally familiar. The book of Job, and, and I did share a little bit. Let me just kind of flip back very quickly. 
Job had integrity, and it became evident in, in, in the time of multiple tests against him. He maintains his, his uprightness in spite of great personal loss, seasons of adversity, and, and he just was like, you know what, I'm not bending. So what he professed in times of abundance matched what he lived when the abundance was stripped away. And we all know right now a lot of people are living in a very stripped away environment, but I'm here to tell you that God will restore you from top to bottom, left to right, up and down. But let me tell you, we're going to read this right now. We're reading from the book of Job, chapter 12, verse 1, and it's about Job. This is his declaration, his statement saying, I am going to stay on this path no matter what. Doubtless, you are the people, and wisdom will die with you. But I have a mind as well as you. I am not inferior to you who does not know all these things. I have become a laughing stock to my friends, though I call upon God and he answered. A mere laughing stock through righteous, righteous, I'm sorry, a mere laughing stock though righteous and blameless. Men at ease have contempt for misfortune as the fate of those whose feet are slipping. The tents of marauders are undisturbed and those who provoke God are secure. Those who carry their God in their hands. But ask the animals and they will teach you, or the birds of the air and they will tell you, or speak to the earth and it will teach you, or let the fish of the sea inform you, which all of these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this. In his hand is the life of every creature and the breath of all mankind. Does not the ear test words as the tongue tastes food? It is not the wisdom found among the age. Does not long life bring understanding? To God belong wisdom and power. Counsel and understanding are his. What he tears down cannot be rebuilt. The man he imprisoned cannot be released. If he holds back the waters, there is drought. If he lets them loose, they devastate the land. To him belong strength and victory. Both deceived and the deceiver are his. He leads counselors away, stripped, and makes fools of judges. He takes off the shackles put on by kings and ties the loincloth around their waist. He leads priests away stripped and overthrows men long established. He, he silences the lips of trusted advisors and takes away the discernment of elders. He pours contempt on nobles and disarms the mighty. He reveals the deep things of darkness and brings deep shadows into the light. He makes nations great and destroys them. He enlarges nations and disperses them. He deprives the leaders of the earth of their reason. He sends them wandering through a trackless waste. They grope in darkness with no light. He makes them stagger like drunkards. God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and has everything under control. I need all of you, please, to reread the book of Job, Chapter 12, read the entire chapter, because I need you all, please, I'm begging you to understand that when you have your altar moment, you will be tested. People will spit at you just like they did to Jesus. You will be tried. You're going to be in the corner of your house crying, but I'm here to tell you that joy will come if you just stay faithful. Stay on that path. Don't go left. Don't go right. I don't care how dark it gets. God is not going to let you down at all. I have had, you know, I've been 
you know, I'm a public person, but yet I'm a private person. And 2011 has been hell for me in every sense of the word. Many of you who follow me know that my ch- my older son had a very, uh, very harsh fight with mental illness earlier this year uh, without getting into the sordid details and, and required instant and and serious help for many months. And to God be the glory, he was able to finish school in October, albeit a little late, he was able to finish. My younger son has had, I've had some challenges with him this year. And I'm saying, where is this coming from? What in the world? But the attacks don't stop. And the stronger your faith gets, the stronger you develop in the Lord, the stronger the attacks are going to get. And let me tell you, if you don't stand strong, bury your face in your Bible, plant your feet on solid ground, you will be knocked over just like those trees fell on Halloween when it snowed out of nowhere in the New York City area and it looked like a tree graveyard everywhere you went. If your feet are not firmly planted in your faith in God and your faith in the Lord, you might as well give it up now. The Bible said that the Lord did not give us a spirit of fear but a sound mind, and we can make it through. We can make it through. I'm here to tell you, for those that have battled depression just as I have, I've documented in in my first book how I tried to take my life a few times in my early 20s because I was chasing after something that wasn't real. And when I had my altar moment, I thought the world was going to change. They say my hands look new, my feet look new, my walk look new, but there's some real serious issues that are going to come at you. And if you are not firmly planted and grounded and you network with people like you, you're dead in the water. You have to make sure that you get yourself connected to believers such as you. Now, many of you know I grew up in the faith of Islam, and I still believe a lot of the tenets of of the faith of Islam. I will tell that, and I'm not going to ever decry my Islamic background because there are very strong beliefs that I hold true that at the end of the day, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam are the three top religions in the world, and they all believe in one God. But I'll tell you like this, I know I'm a follower of Jesus Christ till I die, Jesus is the master teacher and the son of God. And when you believe and you follow what Jesus Christ does, you cannot go wrong. There's a scripture I'm trying to remember right now. I I believe it's in the book of Mark. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke. I believe it is Mark. Let me just turn very quickly while I have everybody still with us. The book of Mark, chapter 1. I'm turning very, ah, I knew I was right. See, I knew it was in here somewhere. The book of Mark, chapter 1, verse 35. It's in your New Testament, the second book of the New Testament. We're going to learn this Bible. Stick with me and we're going to learn this Bible, front to back, Old and New Testament. Jesus prays in a solitary place. In addition to Jesus just driving out evil spirits and healing people and calling disciples and changing the world forever, he prayed in a solitary place. The book of Mark, chapter 1, verse 35, reads as follows. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, 
Let us go somewhere else to nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching preaching in synagogues and driving out demons. The takeaway, regardless how full Jesus' schedule became, he made time for prayer. The book of Mark tells us that Jesus got up before sunrise and went to a solitary place to pray. Whether it's early in the morning, at noon, or at night, you need to look for God's direction and seek God's face, and that can only be done in prayer, and he needs, prayer needs to become a priority. This is why I was saying about the, the correlation between the world religions. In Islam, you're mandated to pray five times a day. In Christianity, and we're looking in the Bible, it says Jesus got up very early in the morning, went to a quiet place and prayed. None of us are that busy. Do you hear me? We're all not that busy. If we don't make time for prayer, how are we supposed to function throughout the rest of the day? I'm actually getting, I'm working on, God is working with me right now on on a lesson um, about this whole 3 a.m., 3.30 thing. I shared with you a few years ago on the show that I keep getting awakened at between 3 and 3.30 in the morning, and I could not figure out why. And a very dear friend to the show, Dewan Colion, he used to do our, our Ecclesia uh, Bible study every Thursday for an hour, was saying how there's so many scriptures in the Bible about that specific time. So I'm working on a lesson right now. It's, it's in the works. It's one of the, the notes on my clipboard that I'm walking around so when God gives me uh, insight on it, I can add it so I can bring you a full lesson. But how important prayer is. I'm here to share with you, after you have your altar moment, you're going to be tested you're going to have difficult times and be prepared to come under attack more now than you were before. Because you know my favorite scripture is Malachi 3.17 where it says even evildoers are going to get blessed. But at the end of the day, God keeps a scroll of remembrance so that way he knows who was doing the right thing all up and through. So as we wind this lesson down, I need everybody to understand, please, the most important elements for us to take away after we have our altar moment is that it's about faith, about prayer, hearing from God, setting our priorities, and being disciplined to carry out our new new outlook on life. I want to thank everyone um, for listening to today's lesson. And there's a lot of activity going on in the chat room. And it just warms my heart to see how many people log on live and and listen to these lessons on on demand because it's really about me pouring out everything I have to help us all uh, live a better life. Again, my name is Saida Brown. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, To learn more about uh, what I do and Saida Brown Strategies, and to listen to many of these lessons, you can just log on to SaidaBrown.com. Um, you can follow me on Facebook, Cy uh, Brown Today, or on Twitter. And we also have a YouTube channel where I have a lot of video lessons as well. Kirby Queen, you have an amazing day too. And LaVon, always remember that we shall pass through this world but once. Any therefore that we can do or any kindness that we can show to any human being, let us do it now. Let us not defer or neglect it, for we shall not pass this way again. Thank you all for listening, and I'll see you soon.